Another important thing is also to be able to bring the whole body to the metaverse. So right now we can do it with motion tracking suits, uh, but what we are going to also deliver very soon is using just the webcam. So we will popularize and we will democratize the access to breaking this barrier between uh, the metaverse and the physical world, bringing your whole body language inside the metaverse. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What is up, everyone? I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show, powered by Untold Stories, where twice a week we get to dive deep with some of Bitcoin and crypto's most influential leaders, those building some of the coolest things that we're going to learn about today, but you're going to end up playing with or using or interfacing with in the future. You're going to be like, oh, I heard about it on Charlie's show. Oh, yeah, no, I knew about that before everyone else knew about it. And not only that, but you actually understand it, which is increasingly very difficult in today's crypto landscape to understand a lot of the things that are that are being built and launched. But I'm help. I'm here to help you do that. We got an amazing guest today, Diego Di Tomajo. Thank you so much, Diego, for coming on the Charlie Shrum Show today. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You're the, the COO and co-founder of OVR, which is this really, really cool uh, world-scale open source. AR platform that's powered by the Ethereum blockchain. You have this whole community launch that you're doing, which is like this map to earn, which is like a metaverse oriented economic model that you're encouraging users to become mappers in this future AR world. And what I'm really excited to talk about today is that I'm always hearing about VR, VR, VR. And at the end of the day, I'm understanding that AR is probably what the future is going to be. And most of us, for the first time, I feel like, touched AR was, I think, Pokemon Go in, in yeah. was it 2016 or something like that. How has it evolved? And why do you think that, that AR is like is the future over VR? Yeah, so th thanks for, for the question. Of course, I'm the most biased person to ask <laughs> this. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, aside for that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no, no worries. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's just a joke. But anyway, at the end of the day, we we've been dreaming about building this 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 platform since 2018, and I mean the the vision was was the same back then. So the vision is that yes, VR it's big and it's gonna be even bigger than it's right now. But at the end of the day, if you think about that, we will not spend most of our time with some obtrusive googles on our face. We are physical beings. We live in the physical world. So our vision is that as soon as the hardware, so the smart glasses are out there, we will start living more and more in this mixed reality where we have AR components that augment our perception of the physical world. That's the vision towards we are building our platform because we believe the future is in AR, so in the fact that the world will be augmented. And just because, of course, uh, we will not spend our time in our homes with some Oculus Googles, but we will live in space. Yeah. We will go around, yeah. we will visit cities and so on. And, and so the information will be directly projected in our visual field. What we expect is that in the next five to, to 10 years, it will be very, very strange to see people still staring down at their mobile phones, but they will have an augmented field of view with smart glasses or maybe contact lenses. We met the guys from Mojo that are building these incredible AR smart lenses right now. What so, is it called? Mojo. Mojo Lenses. I'm Googling this now. This is We met they actually at Wall Street Journal event in Laguna Beach, and I was amazed that they was able to engineer 
a very, very small projector at the center of your pupil. And you cannot even see. It's like a, a, of, what? Uh, a peanut. This is so cool. Yeah. Mike, so they're, they're essentially contact lenses with built-in projectors. Exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, when I heard about that, I thought, yes, this is, this is going to be very far away in the future. And actually, the prototype is already out there. It's just not FDA approved. I mean, there's so much technology that is developing in this direction. So this year, we should see this, the first smart glasses from Apple. Maybe they were delayed, but still, we will still start seeing things coming into the markets. And we already have some smart glasses, but they're not really customer-oriented. So still a, a B2B play. Uh, but as soon as the technology is there to, to have a widespread of these devices, I mean, I have no doubt that this will be the new way we will interact with, with information. So that that's really is the idea and the vision. And I, I think that you can have some hints about how powerful is this uh, in all the investments that, uh, I mean, companies like Apple that really know how to talk to customers. You know, they only always want to showcase their products in AR. You know, all of the new products, uh, you can see it in AR. Why is that? Because when you see something in AR, you get a much more powerful impression of that thing, of that object. It's not the same if you see the same object in the 3D, maybe in a screen. That's because, you know, our brains are wired to process spatial data. So when you, pre when you present to your brain 3D assets that are mixed with reality, this is just a path of low resistance. You really get it better. So I really I have no doubt that this is uh, the future we're going through. And we are still seeing some first signals of that with big brands understanding this. So you essentially created this like layer on top of Earth, like a hybrid, right? So you don't have the metaverse as this like faraway land that people don't really understand. It's like what we look at, we watch that movie, Ready Player Ready. One. You know, you put the hardware yeah. on, but your vision is this more of like, maybe layers on top of earth. like, And so you've put together Overland, which is yep. dividing the world into, you know, 300 square meter spaces. And what's going on there? Those are hexagons of 300 square meters. So we like to think about those uh, that we call OVR lands, like spatial domains. So in the web, you okay. have a web domain. You buy the page diego.com, you decide the content on that 2D web page. In our case, you buy these geographic coordinates. For example, I'm from Italy. You buy the Colosseum, <laughs> the hexagon of the Colosseum. You publish. You, you can pu then publish content in that geographic location. So that, that that's the comparison with web domains, you know. And and so basically, those are NFTs on the Ethereum blockchain because you know at the end of the day, this is just a digital object. It's just pure information. It's geographic coordinates. So what other better way to represent the ownership of that than yeah. an NFT? Because NFTs really work well with digital assets. So that's why we decided to build this on the blockchain with NFTs. And, you know, right now, it's a very common thing to think about digital lens and so on. Uh, but back then, you know, in 2018, there was only the central one that had this idea with virtual lens. I mean, it's, it's nice that now, I mean, this idea that NFTs as the domains uh, really break through. But yeah, it was not so, was not so clear back then. And uh, of those of those domains, in we've been selling eight hundred sixty thousand up to date to more than thirty thousand owners. That maybe in Web two is a small number, but in Web three is a huge number because, for example, oh, yeah. uh, Sandbox. Uh, of course, the price of their land are much more higher, but they have a twenty two thousand. So really, the the uh, I mean, the amount of people that really 
uh, so the potential in this is very big in the Web3 space. Well, I think because uh, other metaverse lands like Decentraland and Sandbox kind of are of the, hey, we're just going to build this visionary land that people can have headgear or just go on their browser and kind of go into more like a video game. But that's very niche if you think about it. But what you're proposing, it sounds like there are a lot of different applications for this. There could be medical applications. There could be like property implications. There's all different type of things that you can do with this potentially. And more in the near term, like you said, the hardware is already there for AR. But I don't know if we're going to go full immersion into these virtual worlds and like leave the world that we live in behind. I just don't see that happening, at least in the next hundred years or so. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, and you know, also about this interesting about the use cases and about the traction of the metaverses right now. You know? So as you mentioned at the beginning, when we think about metaverse right now, everybody talks about VR. And especially if we think about the really successful metaverses are games. And, and you know, I think yeah. that we are really at the beginning of this movement. And we are like, uh, you know, when we was uh, in the 2000s for the web. So if you think about Amazon in the 2000s, they were selling books. That was the low-hanging fruit. That was the, the use case that worked back then. But if you think about this now, what is books for Amazon? Maybe 0.5% of their revenues. So I think that we are on that stage where we have some use cases that are very big, very powerful, and takes like 100% of the use cases, or maybe 99%. But I think that in the next uh, 10, uh, 5, 10 years, we will see the emergence of many, many different use cases from gaming. And still, I mean, gaming is the beginning, is the first one, but it's just, just, just one of the many things that we do in life. So you have gaming. How did Pokemon Go change everything for people? Well, you know, Pokemon Go is the popularization of AR. You know, also very often now, I mean, the term metaverse has become more broad. Maybe mm. not, not everybody knows what does it mean, but at least they know that this exists. So maybe I can tell people that they there do the go. metaverse. But but uh, when I say to people, you know, I'm building an AR metaverse, they look at me, what's AR? Uh, very often. And then I tell them, you remember Pokemon Go? And they do remember Pokemon Go. Uh, because it was, uh, I mean, again, games is the first use case and really popularize things. And, and also in our case, the first use case that we built on our platform was a game and actually still out there, uh, similar to Pokemon Go, but where instead of just collecting 3D monsters, you could collect tokens from our metaverse and also NFTs from other projects we collaborate with, like, for example, a Sandbox uh, or Dogepound or many other NFT platforms. And, and so, yeah, I mean, gaming is the first one, will be big, will be bigger, but will not be the only one, especially in AR. Just think about use cases like, uh, again, before I was talking a little bit about companies selling products yeah. and so on. Imagine you can augment the shop window. Or imagine you can have an AR avatar guiding you, telling you about products and services. I mean, the use cases really are mind-blowing, the number of use cases that you can imagine applying AR. So building this digital layer over the physical world where we live in. I feel like there's so many different use cases, right? So gaming, moving away from that, fashion brand, shopping, but also medical, government services. My friend, we had him on the show like maybe a year ago, Dr. Shiner. I was just talking to him the other day. I routinely like to catch up with guests on the show and be like, hey, you know, what have you been up to? So we had a meal with Dr. Shiner and he was telling me what he's doing now is his, he's trained his staff to basically take in new clients 
and do visits, especially analysis of, of their clients in the metaverse, in his lens. Like essentially you go to his website and you can talk to him, you can, you can join in. But it's like not just about, for him, a video game perspective, but what he's doing now is he's also, I don't even know the words to describe. He's like recording his surgeries through certain hardware. So in the future, a doctor can almost stick their hands into these gloves and the gloves can re-augment what the surgery did. So sometimes you can have a successful surgery and then a non-successful one. But other than the patient themselves, we don't understand why the surgery went wrong or even why the surgery went right. But if we have all that data and can re-augment like what happened there, uh, we can change everything. And so he's doing some of that stuff now. There's like real life implications. Like in the future, I hope none of us have to be in a hospital, but 10 or 20 years there's going to be some AR interaction that you're going to be involved with in the medical field. It's going to happen, especially because the baby boomer generation is, is you know, is getting older. Oh, yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And also to the point that you was uh, bringing here, like bringing your body movements inside the metaverse. This is another thing that's another feature that we built on our platform. So right now you can wear emotion tracking suits. Oh. And so you can bring your whole body inside the metaverse because, you know, uh, it's, every, it's kind of easy to bring your face. We already have it in the app. You, you just trace the movements of your face with a depth camera of the phone. And so you see it live, the expressions. But, you know, a lot of our expressivity is also about the way we move our body, especially as Italians. You know, we always, always move the hands and so on or whatever. But a lot of the perception of the person that you have in front of you is non-lexical, is about the posture and so on. So another important thing is also to be able to bring the whole body to the metaverse. So right now, we can do it with motion tracking suits. Uh, but what we are going to also deliver very soon is using just the webcam. So we will popularize and we will democratize the access to breaking this barrier between the metaverse and the physical world, bringing your whole body language inside the metaverse. This is, this is I'm writing this down. This is crazy. So first of all, it, no doubt that wars could have been prevented and big business deals could happen if only two people were in the room together as opposed to on the phone or like typing away. Because context is everything. Faces and voices, tone of voice, it's everything. I mean, we could spend hours and hours. You're Italian. Uh, I grew up in, in the northern part of the US and now I live in the south. It's completely different. Everything is different, especially in, I know, like in, in Mandarin and in like just how you even pronounce some things that you say can be a completely oh, yeah. different context, like everything. Yeah. So you're right. Like that's, I, I feel like Pokemon Go had like a, it was successful for five minutes because it was cool. But then the hardware and our own like technical, technological limitations prevented us from like being able to move further with that. So it was like, it was like a false start. It was like, ah, oh, that's really cool, but I'm not going to sit with my cell phone like that all day, right? So now you have body tracking suits, body language in the metaverse. So I, we understand how important that is, but how do you do that? Yeah, so right now, the way you do it, basically, is, as I mentioned, there are two times, two ways. So the first one is the, the one that is already live. You need to wear a motion tracking suit. In this case, we support Rococo motion tracking suits. Of course, not all of them have this. Uh, but uh, on the other side, you know that computer vision is really going so fast right now. And it's so fast that right now we, we can use a simple webcam from, from your computer 
and we can transform your movements in the movements of your avatar because basically the AI will recognize the movements of your joints, of your face and so on and just transmit and reproduce it through your avatar in AR. So basically you have this telepresence. You can have your friends, you can project it in your room and you can see him in AR while moving in space just like he's, he's moving in his room. So you really teleport it's everything in location. I'm really excited that this podcast, The Charlie Shrem Show, is now powered by Waxman. I think I met the CEO, David Waxman, back in 2015 or something at an Ethereum meetup, and he told me that the future belongs to the fearless, and that is why they are producing the show right by my side. What an amazing team we have now. It's so amazing. You guys have been hearing some great updates. I've been following along. If you don't know, Waxman is the leading global strategy and communications firm advising the next generation of companies in Web3, disruptive technology, Bitcoin, crypto, fintech, artificial intelligence, and venture capital. Waxman's clients are ambitious leaders and businesses that are on the frontier of this whole new economy because they really do believe that the future belongs to us and we're the ones building it. With services across everything from digital marketing, public relations, social media, investor relations, financial communications, recruiting, and public affairs, They're helping companies and individuals like myself seize the business opportunities that we deserve, overcome challenges that we all are going to face and achieve sustained success. Head over to Waxman to learn more. You guys are going to love them. We have them in the show notes. Check it all out. It's W-A-C-H-S-M-A-N.com. That's W-A-C-H-S-M-A-N.com. A side, yeah. side conversation really quick. Are holograms ever going to be a thing? Like remember in the old, in the old like culture, you'd have someone just like a hologram pop up three, will that ever be something or is that, is that stupid? Well, I mean, uh, it, every time, I mean, uh, I do a prediction of the future, I think everybody is wrong when it does that. So it's very difficult to say, but yes, I think that the future is really, it's more on something that we have more closer to our visual field. So instead of building many hardwares that project these holograms, it will be probably easier to have people with lenses that actually project those. But who knows, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there will yeah. be some installations with super cool holograms and so on. I had a, a scientist on the show a long time ago when we first started the show, and he said, Charlie, everything that happens in the world, every technological, every famous like invention, every breakthrough you've ever had, scientific, mathematical, physics, everything, it always comes down to like, if you look at it in the context of our brains, being this hyper large decentralized network in the world, and if only we can make communication between our brains just hyper more efficient and be able to just be connected. If you look at everything that's been invented through that context, look at just like why we started talking to each other, why we started writing, why we created the printing press mass producing, why the internet was created. Now we have body suits in the metaverse. It's all in the same path of like hyper connection of all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, uh, and it's nice that you're talking about the printing press. You no, know? it's another interesting. I mean, you know, when I think about how early we are, you no, know, if you think about the printing press, printing press was a horrible business model because <laughs> if, you went, if, if you went to, if you went to uh, venture capital and say, look, I invented the printing press, please give me money. I want to, to, to spread this. And then it will ask you how many people can read. 2%, 3% of the population, something like that. So it would not work. But then, I mean, the printed press created the, the capacity to read the spread across all the population. So probably, I mean, really this technology now, uh, you can ask how many people is now in the metaverse? Very few, very few. Uh, everybody knows that. But as, as we create tools 
that are interesting and then democratize the access to the metaverse, we will see the people coming. So it's, it's a very, very nice uh, comparison, I guess. So you launched OVR to not just be like, hey, we're going to have this big world and people will come. It's rather, we need to give people some sort of utility. We need to give people a reason to, to, to learn this. So what is that reason? What's your vision? Yes. So the, the point is like, again, coming back to the fact that we are selling lands. You know? And, and some, sometimes people ask me, why somebody should buy your land? And I say, very good question, because somebody else can build other lands like we do and sell it as NFTs and whatever. And the point is that the value of these lands really depends on the utility that you build on this, on this layer. And so that's why basically our main focus in the last year has been building really the capacity to have uh, geolocalized experiences that works everywhere. Because, uh, you know, you was talking about Pokemon Go before, and Pokemon Go is a nice use case because work uh, with the technology we had back then and we have right now. Because, you know, when you collect Pokemons, you don't really care about where they are precisely. You just need to collect those. Yeah. But if you want to augment the world, to edit it, to put an avatar in front of the door or a mental shop window or put a hat on a statue, you need to be precise. And so GPS is not enough. And so what we built and what we think will also give a lot of value or utility to our platform is this system that we call map to earn It was referring to it at the beginning. So it's a system that allows to people to take pictures of a location. And from these pictures, we create two things, well, actually three things. So one is a 3D map of the location. So if you are a creator and you want to augment the place, you will have the 3D structure of the location. Two, we have these algorithms that relocate you in space. Uh, when the camera of the phone will see again that location, will understand where you are and will project correctly the 3D asset that you put there. So you will really, really be able to augment the, the place. And finally, with this data, we also are going to build, and we are building actually, a digital twin of the location. I don't know if you are familiar with this technology. There's a technology that is called uh, NERF. It's neural radiant fields. No. And basically... Uh, yeah, this is my mind-blowing technology. It was released by NVIDIA like 12 months ago. And basically, you can train a neural network with a bunch of photos, and then the neural network can hallucinate that location. So you can create a virtual fly inside this location that have been pictured. And the neural network will actually infer photograms that it didn't see. It will just imagine those. And so this is understand. super powerful because uh, if you think about Maybe I can. I can. I'm trying to read some, about it now. Can I share to you? I, I I can share with you a video if uh, if it's possible. Otherwise, yeah. But basically, you you have this very cool. Uh, I mean, visualization of locations that are videos that are, have never been shot. Yeah, you can share. Uh, share your screen. Yeah, let me try. There now, with folks who are not watching, I'll describe it as he's. But now you have a oh, reason yeah. to go to the YouTube. And uh, and understand this. And as, as while you're putting that up, I'm just trying to understand this. It's like a fully connected neural network that can generate views of complex 3D scenes based on a partial set of 2D images. Okay. Do you see my screen? Now? I see your screen. What are we? What am I looking at? Yeah. Here? First of all, I I did this uh, in Laguna Beach uh, a few months ago. So. This looks like, I mean, a cameraman that is walking here, but there's no cameraman. I just took some pictures and basically this neural network is hallucinating these photographs that you're seeing. So and now you will see that it will fly out of this hallucination and see, you see the rays of light that this is like that. So, oh, that's so cool. How do I build that? 
well, you can you can just you can just do this uh, on our app. You, you just take the pictures of a location. It takes like two minutes, something like that, and then our backend basically will generate this hallucination of the location. So you will have like a virtual drone fly in the location, even if you didn't have the virtual drone. And 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 the, and the cool thing is that basically the trajectories that you can have inside this space are infinite. So it's not just linked to the the picture that you took, but basically it's like this 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 brain basically imagines all the points of you inside of this location that you took the picture of. You can map caves. Oh yeah, of course you can map caves. Yeah. You can map the ocean. Well, the ocean we never tried, but yeah, <laughs> probably you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, you can map the ocean. You can map space. You can map a lot. Of, you can do a lot of things. You can map our human bodies too. Imagine if you could, if we can go into our bodies, each individual, not just like a random body, but like our own bodies, like send cameras down and just map our own human bodies. Is anyone working on that? Oh, I, I, I never, I didn't heard about that, but uh, I mean, probably somebody will do that. You got to do it. Uh, I won't release this yeah. episode yet. If you want to do it, we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we should take, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about taking pictures. So as long as you can take pictures of something, you can actually model this in this way. And this is like, a different pipeline from the standard pipeline that we have, for example, for rendering things. You know, you want to create a room, you go to a 3D designer and say, please create me the 3D structure with the polygons and so on, and it will be rendered by our hardware. And in this case, uh, it's an opposite process. You start from the pictures and then the neural network, we hallucinate, I mean, the structure of this location. So it's a very novel and very interesting uh, technology. And uh, I mean, yeah, so this is the third output that we have from this mapping. And, and yeah, so I went a little bit far away, but basically the important thing that I wanted to mention about this mapping, about the fact that with this data, you can be precise, is that anybody that's in the world uh, will want to create a precise geolocalization. And if it's true that AI will be the new means, people will want to do that, will need this data of the world. It's just like, you know, uh, Google Maps. Is the killer application for Google is one billion monthly active users or using Google Maps. The importance of the data of, user, of Google Maps cannot be understated because of the value that they generate for Google. So in this case, we are taking, I don't want to say that we want to reproduce Google Maps because it's not like that, but we are taking a slightly different approach. So we are saying, look, we can produce the data that can be used to locate you in space for AR. Not for navigating with the cars on the streets and so on. We cannot compete with Google with cars around the world. But if you have people that want to map cool locations, important locations to them or to the general public, they can do that. And this data they generate, they own it. Because the good thing is that we are a Web3 company at the end of the day. So when people do this activity of taking a picture, if you do that, for example, in your room or whatever, you will actually own those data that you create. So it's a kind of, I would say, AR Google Maps owned by its creators because we don't have cars of people going around and taking pictures. We just have the community that does this kind of activity. It never took off to like merging the Web3 world into Web2, like tokenizing Google Maps or encouraging users. Like you, you saw it in ways with traffic, you know, people will post where there's a police officer or something or like a red light camera, but you never really saw it take off. And so crypto gave the tokenization world and then and then the newly invented the breakthroughs in the technology allowed us to build these things at hyperscale, but what's really not taken off, it sounds like it's the hardware. We're still limited by this hardware. Are you seeing anyone else other than like the smart contact lenses? I heard Apple is maybe working on a secret hardware project too. 
Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it's all about the hardware. So uh, yes, I, I mean, it's kind of on Apple. I, I'm not sure it's uh, still secret or not, but basically, uh, I mean, that there's there's different consensus on that. But it looks like they're gonna come out actually this quarter, and uh, it's, it's not a long time, really? so still one month with a pass-through device, so that will not be really fully AR. Will be VR where you can see through. And so it's 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 a very low latency uh, product. So we will see the first steps. And I mean, we saw also many other device producers, uh, like for example, Magically. Uh, they are out there yeah. since two years, uh, smart glasses. The point is that that we need a product that is light enough, cheap enough to get mass adoption. So what we see now in the market, it's still a niche. It's still for some B2B use cases, very expensive ones. You you're not seeing people with AR glasses around. But it's going to happen. I mean, it, you know, the, the pace at which technology is progressing is, I mean, we know Moore's Law and all the stuff is just mind-blowing. So there is no doubt that in the, for sure in the next two years, we will see a device that start to have adoption and get widespread. Magic Leap is actually really cool. That's a great example. But what, so other than medical, what are people using this for? Can you play around with this? They are not using that. I mean, it's it's just B2B. They tried at the beginning, they tried to launch it that's B2C. But at the end of the day, they, they understood that the price point was too high. And also the product, if you try it, it's still very bulky. You know, you have these very big Googles in your face and then you have a, a GPU in your pocket. Yeah, it's and, too much going oh, on here. It's uh, going to be looked at like it, as the Motorola phone one day, you know, the big suitcase exactly, cell phone. No, exactly. So, I mean, our vision is that what will happen is that we will have uh, glasses that are just projectors while all the computation will stay on the mobile phone that right now is powerful enough to hmm. uh, basically render and process all this stuff. The the, the glasses will be just visors. Lightweight, uh, so this, like lightweight glasses without prescription exa- type exactly, of thing. Exactly. So people underestimate this a little bit, but uh, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm Italian, so I'm a little bit <laughs> very focused on that. People will not put on their face things that they don't like. <laughs> so it's there true. will need to be cool glasses because, you know, what you put in your face is really, really part of your identity. So, uh, you know, people could underestimate that, but it's oh, no. an error. I, I, I totally get it. Like, I'm a glasses wearer. Every year I, not consciously, but every year I, like, get a new pair of glasses. I just change the look a little bit. But this is my identity. This year I want to just be a little bit softer, so I'm having softer color. I just want to be a little bit, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's very identity related. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we are not there yet, but, I mean, there's so much capital. There's so, so many companies that are investing there. Uh, Qualcomm is investing mil- billions over there. Apple and Android, I mean, they're also investing billions in optimizing the hardware to actually process AR. So, you know, when many people try something, usually it happens. <laughs> so that, that, that's, that, that's what they think. I love it. Well, Diego, thanks thanks so much for coming on the show today and, and teaching us so much. Was uh, was a big pleasure. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. You you guys got like a million users. How can my listeners get involved? What can they do? They're listening to the show. They're really, they love what you're talking about here. What's the next step? I think that the best thing that they can do is the, just download the app, test it out, see if they like it and see what they like it inside. Because there are many things that you can do in the app. You can I mean, play with the AR experiences, try this mapping thing and create these amazing neural renders that I was mentioning you browse uh, what content people created. You can do many things. So try to find and see if there's something that you like. And then if you want to know more, just go on the website and connect to our socials. 
Twitter, we are very active there. Uh, there's Discord also, where you can get a lot of information. And the only thing that I want to recommend, please, please, just use the official channels because, you know, we are in crypto. Everybody wants a piece of you. <laughs> so please uh, uh, be careful. Just use the official channels. What's the name of the app? I want to download it. Over. It's over, over the reality. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thank you.